0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales.
1: Listeners, welcome to your one-stop storytelling podcast shop, where I'll be sharing with you today something different. I've managed to locate an old English set of poems by Alfred Noyce, whose last name looked like his family couldn't quite decide on whether their last name would be yes or no. So they settled for noise, spelt no and yes together. Alfred was widely known in writing major verses under the Torchbearer trilogy, bringing new verses from Watches of the Sky, The Book of Earth, and The Last Voyage. Well, I've been able to get my hands on this classic, one of his first ever sets of verses titled The Flower of Old Japan. Now, for some of my poems that I read out, I don't include music. And this is one of them. I find it helps people focus on the story, and in this case, will help build a cadence within the verse. Alfred's verses definitely have a rhythm, and you'll hear it in today's narration, with a couple of breaks and pauses to derail the common verse cadence. This episode is a two-parter, with the next part coming in on Friday. The storyline here is adventuring, hunting, and finding Japan itself and the creatures and spirits they encounter on their travels there. I hope you really enjoy this one, mates. Let's dig in. You that have known the wonder zone of islands far away. You that have heard the dinky bird and roamed in rich cathay. You that have sailed over unknown seas to woods of Anvalalula trees, where craggy dragons play. Oh, girl or woman, boy or man, you've plucked the flower of old Japan. Do you remember the blue stream, the bridge of pale bamboo, the path that seemed a twisted dream where everything came true? The purple cherry trees, the house with jutting eaves below the boughs, the mandarins in blue with tiny tapping tilted toes and curious curved mustachio. The road to old Japan, you cry, and is it far or near? Some never find it till they die, some find it everywhere. The road where restful time forgets his weary thoughts and wild regrets, and calls the golden year, back in a fairy dream to smile on young and old a little while. Some seek it with a blazing sword, and some with old blue plates. Some with a miser's golden hoard, some with a book of dates. Some with a book of paints, whose loads of truth would ne'er pass through the first white fairy gates. And oh, how shocked they are to find that truths are false when left behind. Do you remember all the tales, That Tusitala told, when first we plunged through purple veils, in quest of buried gold. Do you remember how he said that if we fell and hurt our head, our hearts must still be bold, and we must never mind the pain, but rise up and go on again? Do you remember? Yes, I know. You must remember still he left us not so long ago, caroling with the will, because he knew that he should lie under the comfortable sky, upon a lonely hill, in old Japan when day was done, dear Robert Lewis Stevenson. And there he knew that he should find the hills that haunt us now, the whops that cried upon the wind, his heart remembered, how? And friends he loved and left, To roam far from the pleasant hearth of home Should touch his dreaming brow Where fishes fly and birds have fins And children teach the mandarins. Ah, let us follow, follow far, Beyond the purple seas, Beyond the rosy foaming bar, The coral reef, the trees, The land of parrots and the wild That rolls before the fearless child, Its ancient mysteries. Onward and onward, if we can, to old Japan. Embarkation When the firelight, red and clear, flutters in the black-wet pane, it is very good to hear. Howling winds and trotting rain, it is very good indeed. When the nights are dark and cold, near the friendly hearth to read, tales of ghosts and buried gold. So with cozy toes and hands, we were dreaming just like you. Till we thought of palmy lands, coloured like a cockatoo. All in drowsy nursery nooks, near the clutching fire we sat. Searching quaint old story books piled upon the furry mat. Something haunted us that night, like a half-remembered name. Worn old pages in that light, seemed the same, yet not the same. Curling in the pleasant heat, smoothly as a shell-shaped fan. Ugh. They breathed and smelled so sweet when we turned to old Japan. Suddenly, we thought we heard someone tapping on the wall, tapping, tapping, like a bird, till a panel seemed to fall. Quietly, and the tall, thin man stepped into the glimmering room, and he held a little fan, and he waved it in the gloom. Curious reds and golds and greens danced before our startled eyes, Birds from painted Indian screens, beads and shells and dragonflies, wings and flowers and scent and flame, fans and fish and hellotrope, till the magic air became like a dream kaleidoscope. Then he told us of a land, far across the fairy sea, and he waved his thin white hand, like a flower, melodiously. While a red and blue macaw perched upon his pointed hair, And as in a dream we saw, all the curious things he said. Tucked in tiny palanquins, magically swinging there, flowery-curtled mandarins floated through the scented air. Wandering dogs and prowling cats grinned at fish in painted lakes. Cross-legged conjurers on mats fluted low to listening snakes. Fat, black bonzes on the shore watched were sinking faint and far. Boys in long blue garments bore roses in a golden jar. While at carven dragon ships, floating over that silent sea, squat-limbed god with dreadful lips leered and smiled mysteriously. Like an idol, shrined alone, watched by secret oval eyes, with a ruby wishing stone, smouldering in the darkness lies. Any one that wanted things touched the jewel and they came we were wealthier than kings if we could but do the same. Yes, we knew a hundred ways we might use it if we could, to be happy all our days as an Indian in a wood. No more daily lesson task, no more sorrow, no more care. So we thought that we would ask if he'd kindly lead us there. Ah, but then he weighed his fan and he vanished through the wall. Yet as in a dream we ran, tumbling after one and all. Never pausing once to think, panting after him we sped, for we saw his robe of pink floating backward as he fled. Down a secret passage deep, under roofs of spidery stairs, where the bat wing nightmares creep and the sheeted phantom glares, rushed we. Ah, how strange it was, when a human watcher stood, till we reached a gate of glass opening on a flowery wood. Where the rose-pink robe had flown, borne by swifter feet than ours, on to wonder, wonder town. Through the woods of monstrous flowers, mailed in monstrous gold and blue, dragonflies like peacocks fled, butterflies like carpets too, softly fluttered overhead. Down the valley, tip a toe, where the broad-limbed giants lie. Snoring as when long ago, Jack on a beanstalk scaled the sky, slowly, softly towards the town. Stole we past old dreams again, castles long since battered down, dungeons of forgotten pain. Noonday brooded on the wood, ere we crept where a twisted pear tree stood, and a dwarf behind it slept. Round his scruggy throat he wore, knotted tight a scarlet scarf. Tibbinly we watched him snore, for he seemed a surely dwarf. Yet, he looked so very small. He could hardly hurt us much. We were nearly twice as tall, so we woke him with a touch. Gently and in tones polite, asked him to direct our path. Oh, his wrinkled eyes grew bright, green with ugly gnomish wrath.
0: He seemed to choke, and gruffly spoke. You lost, deny it if you can. You want to know the way to go? There's no such place as old Japan. You want to seek? No, no. Don't speak. You mean you want to steal a fan? You want to see the fields of tea? They don't grow tea in old Japan. In China, well, perhaps you'd smell the cherry blossom that's if you ran. A million miles and jumped the stiles and never dreamed of old Japan. What palanquins and mandarins? And what do you say, a blue diving? And what? <laughs> You'll never see a big-tailed head in old Japan. You'd take away the ruby, eh? I've never heard of such a plan. Upon my word, it's quite absurd. There's not a gem in old Japan. Oh, dear me, no. You'd better go. Straight home again, my little man. Oh, well, you see. But don't blame me. I don't believe. In old Japan. Then before we could obey. Over our
1: startled heads he cast. Spider like a webby grey. Net that held us prison fast. How we screamed. He only grinned. It was such a lonely place. And he said we should be pinned. In his human beetle case. Out he dragged a monstrous box. From a cave behind the tree. It had four and twenty locks. But he could not find the key. And his face grew very pale when a sudden voice began, drawing near through the veil, singing songs of old Japan. And this is how the song goes. Satin sails in a crimson dawn over the silky silver sea, purple veils of dark withdrawn, heavens of pearl and proffery, purples and white in the morning light, over the water the town we knew in tiny state like a willow plate, shone, and behind it the hills were blue. There we remembered the shadows pass, all day long like dreams in the night. There in the meadows of dim blue grass, crimson daisies are ringed with white. There the roses flutter their petals, over the meadows they take their flight. There the moth that sleepily settles, turns to a flower in the warm soft light. There, when the sunset colours the streets, everyone buys at wonderful stores. Toys and chocolates, guns and sweets, ivory pistols and Persian shawls. Everyone's pockets are crammed with gold, nobody's heart is warm with care. Nobody ever grows tired and old and nobody calls you baby there. There with a hat like a round white dish, upside down on each pigtailed head, jugglers offer you snakes and fish, dreams and dragons and gingerbread. Beautiful books with marvellous pictures, painted pirate and streaming gore. And everyone reads without any strictures, tales he remembers forevermore. There, when the dim blue daylight lingers, listening and the west grows holy, singers crouch with their long white fingers, floating over the zithern slowly. Paper lamps with a peachly bloom burn above on the dim blue bough, while the zitherns glid the gloom. With curious music, I hear it now. Now! And at that mighty word, holding out his magic fan, through the waving flowers appeared, suddenly, the tall, thin man. And we saw the crumpled dwarf trying to hide behind the tree, but his knotted scarlet scarf made him very plain to see. Like a soft and smoky cloud, passed the webby net away, while his owners squealing loud, down behind the pear tree lay. For the tall, thin man came near, and his words were dark and gruff and he swung the dwarf in the air by his long and scraggy scruff. There he kicked, whimpering, but our rescuer touched the box, opened with a sudden spring, clashed the four-and-twenty locks. Then he crammed the dwarf inside, and the locks all clattered tight. Four-and-twenty times he tried, whether they were fastened right. ah! He led us on our road, showed us wonder, wonder town. Then he fled, behind him flowed, once again the rose-pink gown, down the long deserted street, all the windows winked like eyes, and our little trotting feet echoed to the starry skies. Low and long for evermore, where the wonder, wander sea whispers to the wistful shore purple songs of mystery. Down the shadowy quay we came, though it hides behind the hill, you will find it just the same, and the seamen singing still. There we chose a ship of pearl and a milky silken sail. Seemed by magic to unfurl, puffed before a fairy gale. Shimmering o'er the purple deep, out across the silvery bar, Softly, as the wings of sleep, sailed we towards the morning star. Over us the skies were dark, yet we never needed light, Softly shone our tiny bark, gliding through the solemn night. Softly bright our moonly gleam, glimmered o'er the glistening waves, like a cold sea maiden's dream, Globbed in twilight ocean caves. So all night our shallop passed, many a haunt of old desire, blurs of savage blossom-mast, red above a pirate fire, huts that gloomed and glanced among, fruitage dipping in the blue, songs the sirens never sung. Shores, Ulysses, never knew. All our fairy rigging shone, richly as a rainbow scene. Where the moonlight floats upon, gossamers of gold and green. All the tiny spars were bright. Beaten gold the bowsprit was, but our pilot was the night. And our chart, our looking glass. Part Two, The Arrival With rosy fingertips the dawn, drew back the silver veils. Till lilacs shimmered into lawn above the satin sails, And o'er the waters, white and wan, in tiny patterned state, We saw the streets of old Japan shine like a willow plate. Oh, many a milk-white pigeon roams, the purple cherry crops, The mottled miles of pearly domes and blue pagoda tops, The river with its golden cranes and dark piratic dows, To where beyond the twisting veins, the burning mountain glows. A snow peak in the silver skies beyond that magic world, we saw the great volcano rise with incense o'er it curled, whose tiny thread of rose and blue has risen since time began, before the first enchanter knew the peak of old Japan. Nobody watched us quietly steer the pinnace to the painted pier, except one pig-tailed mandarin who sat upon a chest of tea, pretending not to hear or see. His hands were very long and thin, His face was very broad and white, and oh, it was a fearful sight to see him sit alone and grin. His grin was very sleek and sly, timidly we passed him by. He did not seem at all to care, so thinking we were safely past, we ventured to look back at last. A dreadful blank! He was not there. He must have hid behind his chest. We did not stay to see the rest. But as in reckless haste we ran— we came upon the tall, thin man, who called to us and weighed his fan and offered up his palaquin. He said we must not go alone to seek the ruby wishing stone, because the white-faced mandarin would dug our steps for many a mile, and sit upon each purple stile before we came to it and smile, and smile his name was creeping sin. He played with children's beating hearts and stuck them full of poison darts, and long green thorns that stabbed and stung, he'd watch until we tried to speak, then thrust inside his pasty cheek, his long, white, slimy tongue, and smile at everything we said, and sometimes pat us on the head and say that we were very young. He was a cousin of the man who said that there was no Japan. And night and day this creeping sin would follow the path of Palanquin, Yet if we still were fain to touch the ruby, we must have no fear, whatever we might see or hear, and the tall, thin man would take us there. He did not fear the sly one much, except perhaps on a moonless night, nor even then if the stars were bright. So, in the yellow palanquin, we swung along and stayed between, twinkling domes of gold and green, through the rich bazaar where the cross-legged merchant sat, old and almond-eye and fat, each upon a gorgeous mat, each in a kamar, each in crimson samite breeches, watching his barbaric riches. Cherry-blossom-breathing sweet, whispered o'er the dim blue street, where with fierce, uncertain feet, tawny pirates walk, all in belts and baggy blouses, out of dreadful opium houses, out of dens where death carouses horribly, they stalk. Girt with Atagan and Dagger, right across the road they swagger. And where the cherry orchards blow, we saw the maids of Miyako, swaying softly to and fro. Through the dimness of the dance, like sweet thoughts that shine through dreams, they glided, wreathing rosy gleams with stately sounds of silken streams and many a slim, collided glance. Then fluttered with tiny rosebud feet to a soft frou-frou and a rhythmic beat as the music shimmered, pursuit, retreat, hands across, retire, advance, and again it changed, and the glimmering throng faded into a distant song, and this is how that song went, the maidens of Miyako dance in their sunset hours, deep in the sunset glow, under the cherry flowers, with dreamy hands of pearl floating like butterflies, dimly the dancers whirl as the rose-light dies, and their floating gowns, their hair, upward with curious pins, fade through the darkening air with the dancing mandarins. And then, as we went the tall, thin man, explained the manners of old Japan. If you pitied a thing, you pretend to sneer. Yet if you were glad you ran to buy a captive pigeon and let it fly— and if you were sad, you took a spear to wound yourself for fear your pain should quietly grow less again. And again he said if we wished to find the mystic city that enshrined the stone so few on earth had found. We must be very brave it lay a hundred haunted leagues away, past many a griffin guarded ground in depths of dark and curious art, where passion flowers enfold apart the Temple of the Flaming Heart, the City of the Secret Wound. About the fragrant fall of day, we saw beside the twisted way, a blue-domed tea-house, bossed with gold, hungry and thirsty, we entered in. How should we know what creeping sin had breathed in that Emperor's ear who sold his own dumb soul for an evil jewel to the Earth-God blind and ugly and cruel? We drank sweet tea, as his tale was told, in a garden of blue chrysanthemums, while a drowsy swarming of gongs and drums, out of the sunset, dreamily rolled. But, as the murmur nearer drew, a fat black bonds, in a robe of blue, suddenly at the gate appeared, and close behind with that evil grin, was it creeping sin? Was it creeping sin? The bond looked quietly down and sneered, our guide! Was he sleeping? We could not wake him. However we tried to pinch and shake him. Nearer, nearer the tumult came, till as a glare of sound and flame, blind from a terrible furnace door, blares of the mouth of a dragon blazed, the seething gateway deaf and dazed. With the clanging and the wild uproar, we stood while a thousand oval eyes gaped, our fear with sick some eyes. Then, as the Dead Sea parted asunder, the clamour clove with a sound of thunder, in two great billows, and all was quiet. Gaunt and black was the plankine that came in dreadful state between, the frozen waves of the wild-eyed riot curling back from the breathless track of the nameless one who is never seen. The close-drawn curtains were thick and black, but wizen and white was the tall, thin man. As he rose in his sleep, his eyes were closed, his lips were wan. He crouched like a leopard that dares not leap. The bearers halted. The tall, thin man, fearfully dreaming, waved his fan with wizard fingers to and fro. While with a whimper of evil gleam, the nameless emperor's mad moonshee stepped in front of us, dark and slow, with a word of the doom that he dared not name. But over the ground as he spoke. There came tiny circles of soft blue flame. Like ghosts of flowers, they began to glow and flow like a moonlit brook between our feet and the terrible palanquin. But the moon, she wrinkled his long thin eyes and sneered, Have you stolen the strength of the skies? Then pour before us a stream of pearl. Give us
0: the pearl and the gold we know, and our hearts will be softened and let you go. But these are toys for a foolish girl. These vanishing
1: blossoms, what are they worth? They are not so heavy as dust and earth. Pour before us a stream of pearl. Then, with a wild strange laugh, our guide stretched his arm to the west and cried. Once and a song came over the sea, and all the blossoms of moons of fire woke and breathed as a wind-swept lyre, and the garden surged into harmony till it seemed that the soul of the whole world sung, and every petal became a tongue to tell the thoughts of eternity. But the moon she lifted his painted brows and stared at the gold on the blue tea house. Can you clothe your body with dreams? he sneered. If you taught us the truths that we always know, how our heart might be softened and let you go, can you tell us the length of a monkey's beard or the weight of the gems on the Emperor's fan, or the number of parrots in old Japan. And again with a wild strange laugh, our guide looked at him and he shrunk aside, shriveling like a flame touched leaf, for the red cross blossoms of soft blue fire were growing and fluttering higher and higher, shaking their petals out sheaf by sheaf, till with disks like shields and stem like towers burned the host of the passion flowers. Had the moon she flown like a midnight thief? Yet a thing like a monkey shriveled and black chattered and danced as they forced him back. As the coward chatters for an empty pride in the face of a foe that he cannot but fear, it chattered and leapt from side to side and its voice rang strangely upon the ear as the cry of a wizard that dares not own another's brighter and mightier throne as the wrath of a fool that rails aloud, on the fire that burnt him, the brazen bray clamoured and sang o'er the gapping crowd, and flapped like a gabbling goose away. The cry of the mad Moonshi continued. If the blossoms were beans, I should know what it means. This blaze which I certainly cannot endure, it is evil too, for its colour is blue and the sense of the matter is quite obscure. Celestial truth is the food of youth, but the music was dark as a moonless night. The facts in the song were all of them wrong, and there was not a single sum done right, though made a metaphysician amongst the crowd, in a voice that was notably deep and loud, repeated, as fast as he was able, the whole of the multiplication table. So the cry flapped off as a wild goose flies, and the stars came out in the trembling skies, and ever the mystic glory grew in the garden of blue chrysanthemums, till there came a rumble of distant drums. And the multitude suddenly turned and flew. A dead ape lay where their feet had been, and we called for the yellow palanquin, and the flowers divided and led us through. The black barred moon was large and low when we came to the forest of ancient woe. And over our heads the stars were bright, but through the forest the path we travelled, its phosphorescent aisle unravelled. In one thin ribbon of dwindling light, and twice and thrice on the fainting track, we paused to listen, the moon grew black. But the coolies' faces glimmered white as the wild woods echoed in dreadful chorus, a laugh that came horribly hopping o'er us, like monstrous frogs through the murky night. Then the tall, thin man, as we swung along, sang us an old, enchanting song that lighted our hearts of their fearful load. But e'en as the moonlit air grew sweet, we heard the pad of stealthy feet dogging us down the thin white road, and the song grew weary again and harsh, and the black trees dripped like the fringe of a marsh and the laugh crept out like a shadowy toad, and we knew it was neither ghoul nor djinn. It was creeping sin. It was creeping sin. But we came to a bend, and the white moon glowed, like a gate at the end of a narrowing road. Far away, and on either hand, as guards of a path to the heart's desire, the strange tall blossoms of soft blue fire. Stretched away through that unknown land, league on league with their dwindling lane, down to the large low moon, and again, there shimmered around us that mystical strain in a tongue that it seemed we could understand, and this was his song. Hold by right and rule by fear, till the slowly broadening sphere, melting through the skies above, merge into the sphere of love. Hold by might until you find might is powerless o'er the mind. Hold by truth until you see, though they bow before the wind, its towers can mock at liberty. Time, the sensual, is blind. Time is blind, and what are we? Captives of infinity, claiming through truth prison bars kinship with the wandering stars. Oh, who could tell the wild, weird sights? We saw in all the days and nights we travelled through those forests old. We saw the griffins on white cliffs, among fantastic hieroglyphs guarding enormous heaps of gold. We saw the Castroi, curious men who dwell like tigers in a den and howl whene'er the moon is cold. They stripe themselves with red and black and ride upon the yellow yak. Their dens are always ankle deep. With twisted knives, and in their sleep they often cut themselves. They say that if you wish to live in peace, the surest way is not to cease collecting knives, and never a day can pass unless they buy a few. And as their enemies buy them too, they all avert their impending fray and starve their children and their wives to buy the necessary knives. The forest leapt with shadowy shapes as we came to the great black tower of apes, but we gave them purple figs and grapes in alabaster and forests. We gave them curious kinds of fruit with betel nuts and orris root, and then they let us pass. And when we reached the tower of snakes, we gave them soft white honey cakes and warm sweet milk and bowls of brass, and on the hundredth eve we found the city of the secret wound." We saw the mystic blossoms blow round the city far below. Failing in the sunset glow, we saw the soft blue glory flow. O'er many a golden garden gate, and o'er the tiny dark green seas of tamarisks and tulip trees. Domes like golden oranges dream aloft alight. And clearer, clearer as we went, we heard from tower and battlement a whisper like a warning sent. From watchers out of sight. And clearer brighter as we drew close to the walls we saw the blue, flashing of plumes where peacocks flew through zones of pearly light. On either side a fat black bonds, guarded the gates of red wrought bronze, blazoned with blue sea dragons and mouths of yawning flame. Down the road of dusty red, though their brown feet ached and bled, our coolies went with joyful tread, like living fans, the gate outspread and opened as we came. And this is where we'll stop for now. Mates, did you enjoy these verses? Story through poetry? Let me know what you thought. Or if you thought you couldn't get your teeth into these ones, also let me know. I know I liked it, but I'm immensely biased being the reader, so I'd love to hear your feedback. Email me at storiesfablesghostytales@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave comments in the comment section of whatever platform you're on. Mates, thank you for listening, and I wanna thank the superstars that support this show. Firstly, my Ode Night T titan, Marvellous Maya. Goodness, how lucky I am to have your lovely self in this tier, only one of three possible slots available for legends like you. Thank you so much Maya for supporting me to produce new content, hunt down old poems like this, support the archiving of old time radio and remastering old time radio shows with fancy software. Your support helps every single time I upload, and your monthly donation is felt through the bones of this podcast. Thank you so much, Maya. You're frickin' marvellous. My white tea warlord, Sir Leza of Loxley. Good sir, I'm doubly thankful for your support. Jokes aside, you are my superstar. Every episode I edit and tweak content from images to audio in just a subtle way at times. To make it easier on the ears, or that much more enjoyable on the speakers is thanks to your support. plugins, Leza. You, sir, help me own them so that I may improve everyone else's experience. Thank you, you legend. And Paige Kramer, the artificer of all things knowledgeable. Mate, it's a pleasure to have your support. Thanks to your ongoing support page, I'm able to cover off my website monthly costs quite substantially, and ensure that I can pay for subscriptions that head this way when it comes to keeping this podcast doors open. Major donators like yourself really help this show progress and punch up. Thank you so much Paige. And my next set of supporters, the enforcers that bring my L Grey A game. I am lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter raffelli Tasha Moncrief, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yakone, Tea Time Drinker 1, and Divided by zero. Thank you, all of you. I don't run any ads, and I never will on this show, and because of supporters like you, I don't have to worry about that. If you want to support the show like these amazing people, visit my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward sfgt, where you can become an enforcer at $5 a month, and every donation helps and every bit goes back into production, supporting authors and also supporting all-time radio archives. Thank you so much, all of you, again. And as always, till next, we meet.